Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who like to take big pieces of wood and make them smaller. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, welcome to the show, everybody. It is show number 508, and on today's show, we're talking about hand tools for the power tool user, which finishes spontaneously combust and drilling big and deep into end grain. But before we get to that, we want to let you know that Wood Talk is brought to you by Rockler. Rockler has been helping customers create with confidence for over 65 years. Rockler is giving away a new product each month to one lucky Wood Talk listener. This month, they're giving away a Pack Rack Plus clamp and tool storage system. So you can wheel your clamps, tools, and supplies across the shop with ease. This thing is fantastic, by the way. It's that little A-frame looking deal on wheels. Um, Looks super handy to have around. So the prize is valued at over $350, and you can enter for your chance to win before September 1st at rockler.com slash woodtalk. But how do we know how many five-star reviews it has? Oh, somebody better look it up. Oh. It's the only way we know if it's worth anything. It's got to be at least 400 Probably a much. Uh, I can tell you if you type pack rat, you don't find anything because that's what I type by accident. I did the same thing it has, earlier. It has 44 <laughs> reviews. Only 44. What? But- Let's change that, guys. Get in there. Review that thing. <laughs> Everybody, it's obviously no matter awesome. if you own it or not, just review it. Yeah. Obviously, it's awesome. Put a big review in there. <laughs> and if you want to also help support the show, you can do so. You can go to patreon.com slash woodtalk and sign up to become a patron of the show. This episode, we're thanking Daniel Jefferson and Tom Herrig. All right. What a nice bunch of guys. What a nice duo. Daniel and Tom. Well, thank you guys for helping uh, support the show. We appreciate it. And I think we could just jump right into what's on the bench. I am embarking on a shutter project, a project I thought I, you know, like in the past have considered, but never took the plunge. Uh, The thing is, if you've ever priced shutters, have you guys ever bought shutters or at least priced them out? Interior shutters I'm talking about. No, I'm not that bougie. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) You're a dork is what you are. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, wow. <laughs> Plantation shutters. So my first introduction to those was when I lived in Phoenix. Uh we bought a foreclosed home and I guess before they moved out, they sold what they could and they missed two windows and two windows still had shutters on them. So it was like, okay, do we fully commit to this and get like the rest of the windows done or do we back off and go with something less expensive? And we priced it out and we didn't it's not like we went to a, like a super fancy place. My gosh, was that an expense at the time to get those shutters installed? Um, So when I thought about it here, I'm like, well, there's this little, it's like a transom window, or I think it's called an eyebrow window that's above uh, sliding glass doors in the (laughs) That can't be a real name. No, dude, go ahead, Google it. That's that's what it's called. It's an eyebrow window. That's one of those names like that doesn't even seem logical. No. Sounds so ridiculous. How about an earlobe window? They got one of those? Yeah, it's. I got a few of those actually. <laughs> yours is yours is more of a unibrow window. Though. It is kind of yeah, kind of like unibrow. The, the Bert 
of the Bert and Ernie win of the, <laughs> okay. The, you, you know, there was a joke there, but I didn't land it. So <laughs> screw me. Um, so anyway, this big window, it's like a transom window in a sense that it's above a doorway, but it, uh, instead of going out to like a clean arch that hits a sharp point at the ends, it, it has a two verticals on the ends. So it kind of raises up and then the arch begins. So it's, uh, it's you know, a bushy something eyebrow. like, yeah, definitely a bushy. Well, like a spagnola eyebrow, there you go. frankly. There you go. Yeah. Um, uh, and Eugene Levy too. Um, so <laughs> this thing would probably be really expensive to get like a custom, uh, built unit that would go across there and cover these three windows. It's about, it's eight foot plus long and maybe 24 inches in height at the highest point. So I'm looking at it going, you know, I don't really want to pay for that. I started looking into different options, what I could do cheaper, less expensive options, but we do have some plantation shutters in the house. And I'm like, you know, it would be nice. It would be really nice if we did that. I just don't feel like paying that much for it. Um, so I embarked on this little journey. And one thing that I got to tell you has helped me out so much on this project is Rockler's calculator. So, you, you know, we talk about them because they are a sponsor. They let us know certain things they want us to make you aware of. This is actually not one of them uh, because this is something I found <laughs> kind of on my own. Keep this one I, I didn't. Don't yeah, I didn't know. I want you to know about this. Well, every time we talk about these things, you like guys, we do it every dirt, show. The dirt on Rockler. We, they don't want you to know about this. Yeah. They're, they're dirty secrets. That's the ad Seriously, for this. This is, this is our clickbait <laughs> title. You know, yeah. 10 things Rockler doesn't want you to know. Number yeah. three will surprise you. Yeah. The design wizard they don't want you to know about. Uh, so this thing, I found it almost accidentally and was amazed by it. It's actually really cool. You just plug in some base like dimensions, height, width, uh, the size slats that you want. And it doesn't just spit out like a couple recommendations or like a list of products. It spits out a plan with a cut list. And a lot of this stuff when it comes to shutters has already been kind of predefined. So there's only so many options. Uh, but the way they do this was brilliant. And my shape, their calculator couldn't accommodate it. I had to kind of figure some stuff out on my own. But in terms of spacing, one of the things I was the most uh, challenged by was like, okay, how do you get the spacing right? Each slat has to be in the right spot. What's the center point of that slat? Where does it go? How does it engage with the rail and the lower rail, upper rail? So all of those questions were answered with this plan. Uh, and then on top of it, they had pretty much any accessory that you need to actually build this thing. And again, I couldn't make use of all of them because of the weird shape that I'm, I'm doing here, but they've got jigs for this thing. Uh, but even if you don't buy any of their stuff, this wizard that they have on the website is fantastic for just uh, farting out a plan and giving you numbers that you could actually start to cut your material for. So I got to say that has made my life a whole lot easier, took a lot of the stress away and made this actually one of those projects that I don't regret. Like a lot of times, if, <laughs> not, not yet, if, at if, least. <laughs> not yet, it's not over. There's always time. A lot of times when there's a project that I do to save money, I'll get into it and eventually be like, yep, I hate myself. <laughs> this totally sucks. <laughs> um, but I have a feeling this one is going to be like, yeah, this, this was the way to go. This saved me a lot of money. I get a decent product. It's exactly what we need it to be. And, uh, and I didn't have to pay, you know, five grand for this thing or however much it would have cost. So, uh, that's, that's been my life lately is, is the shutters. So do me a favor. Well, first of all, when is it blinds and when is it a shutter? That's what I want to know. I think, is it the frame? Because it isn't like, doesn't a shutter, like the whole frame move? I think you say shutters and I think of the things on the outside of the window that close and cover right. the whole window. Because they're kind of a lot like that, but they're interior plantation shutters. So the but like slats, when you have movable louvers or slats, what are you going to call it? Isn't yeah, that a blind? I think or louvers is, is, I don't know. Well, I, I always think of blinds as something that just kind of floats interior inside the window and doesn't have a frame. A shutter absolutely needs a frame, like a rail I mean, style frame. I don't have the answer. I mean, plantation shutters, that's it's exactly what you're building. So I would assume it's a, called a shutter. I don't know. Well, um, yes, when, when they are called plantation shutters, you probably would call them shutters. Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Shut up, Mark. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, um, I, don't, I don't know. But that's a great question. Maybe people can tell us if, if my guess is right that a, a, a shutter versus a blind is like the blind can just be kind of hung independently and the shutter requires a frame. And in some cases, mm. even a swing out with hinges. Actually, most of them have the hinges. So, well, do us and our listeners a favor, would you? And drop a link to that calculator in the show notes. So I'll make you sure know we I put will. that in the, you know, uh, all, the post. All of our viewers out there that are etymologists or something. Shutter. Uh, I'm looking at it. As up. long as they're not an entomologist. <laughs> 
Okay. I'm looking it up. Oh, it's fantastic. Anyway, so if you are into that, um, as someone who has paid for these things in the past, it's fantastic. Oh, also, you know what they have? They have the, like, if you don't even want to build it, you just want to buy slats. For instance, you don't have to make your own. You can buy it from them. They also sell the router bits that you would need. So there's this like little bead detail that goes up and down the uh, styles. Uh, and then of course the slats themselves, they've got a, uh, a nice shape to them and they have a router bit that accommodates that. So I, of course, pick those up, too, to make my life a little bit easier. Where the wow. heck is this? Yeah, they, anyway, I'll put the they, link in the notes. I, I can't find it right now, but I will I will find That's it. That's why I asked, because I, I just use their search thing for shutters, and I'm finding lots of hardware, but I'm not finding the calculator. So Yeah, I will find it for you. They don't want so to anyway, know about it. Because Rockler doesn't want us to know about it. It's one of their hidden secrets. <laughs> secret. Don't tell anyone. We're going we're gonna to lose our sponsorship by exposing this secret. <laughs> uh, shutters.rockler.com. Is there a subdomain wow. for it? Mm-hmm. It's like wow. a real not, thing, huh? They're not stupid. Fuck yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go check it out. Shutters.rockler.com. Oh, yeah. Right, Matt. This thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, I'm busy now. That's yeah, it. don't play. I was going to say, now there's going to be an awkward pause because yeah. nobody wants to talk, it. but I'm putting Matt, up, I'm, I'm clicking radio box buttons and drop downs and, and it's not and that complicated. I mean, <laughs> you, you really, you need the width, you need the height and you need to pick your, whether you want a fixed or movable arrangement. Do you want a, a front arm that operates the louvers or do you want a hidden arm? And then pick the width of your... I want your, both. I want everything. Give me a little I want bit of extra two this. of everything. Double sauce. I want it I want it tied into Alexa so that I just <laughs> ask her to... Yeah, that sounds ask fun. Ask Alexa. Are they shutters or blinds? Alexa, which one is it? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> All right. What do you got going on, Matt? Please I got shutters, us. obviously. I'm, I'm reading this <laughs> measuring guide, how to measure your shutter openings. Well, you okay, got anyway. windows, right? Shutter them things. Apparently, yeah. But I like to keep them open so I can see. Mm -mm. the turkeys do you know why we're doing this though <laughs> sleep matt's matt's going to be the guy who takes a slab of lumber and cuts it into a grain matched <laughs> louvers so yeah. when it closes he's got slabs on his windows it's gonna happen you know folks. i don't hate you that watch. idea i should i know see i just put it in he's got <sighs> a, he's got a freaking dang it uh outfeed table that's a live edge slab he's now gonna have live edge <laughs> when it's slabs. when it's all you have you know it's gotta <laughs> <laughs> stay on brand right <laughs> oh man uh, so i actually haven't been in the sh in the shop for too long but i went back to our our last episode where i talked about what i was doing in the shop and i hadn't talked about where i was at on my serpentine chest which is making the uh, the drawers so i'm doing uh we're we doing angled dovetails angled half line dovetails for the, um, I guess the connection between the drawer front and the drawer sides and wrapping your mind around that one is something special. I'll tell you what, because mm -hmm. like <laughs> it's, it's a parallelogram is what you're looking at. If you're looking at it from the end, you're like, okay, mm -hmm. this is, this is goofy and very weird, but I think I've, I've done four of them now and I kind of have like an, a good like mental idea of what I'm doing now. Finally, mm -hmm. which is weird. So like, oh, it's half blind. How hard could it be? It's not really that much harder besides the fact that it shows like the most ridiculous grain for that area of the drawer front. Uh, but just like wrapping your mind around the fact that like the walls aren't square. Okay. Yeah. Don't go too far. You're going to go right through the front. Yep. Okay. That's why it shouldn't be square because you'll blow out the front. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. Is it getting easier though as you go? Yeah. So I did the hard ones first okay. <laughs> with the, the most difficult grain. So because I'm ridiculous, I have like um, uh, a little bit of crotch figure on one one of the drawer fronts ends. So like both ends have a crotch figure. Mm -hmm. If you ever tried to dovetail into like the ends of something that has crotch figure or some like weird crazy grain like that, the grain is not presenting to the end of the board. The grain's presenting to like the corner or like the face because that's just where you happen mm -hmm. to be. So mm -hmm. nothing is easy. You're like, okay, I'm going against the grain always. Always, always, always against the grain. You're like, yeah. okay, tiny little bites. Fun. Keep that strop nearby. Go slow. And eventually you'll get there. <laughs> you always got to be concerned about, um, you always got to be concerned about how you present the crotch. It's true. You have to yeah. present it right to the face, you know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> oh, that that should be a show title, but that might be that might be over the line actually, even for us. Yeah, I don't know. Never. You, you know what's what's interesting, Matt, is uh, not not to bring it back to actual woodworking talk. What what will happen next? I don't know. But <laughs> <laughs> the but when you look at when you look at light of um, like antique examples of anytime like we've got a serpentine front or a bow front where there's generally like a thicker drawer front that's been shaped out of solid wood. Mm -hmm. Um, the half blinds are really chunky. Like, I think it's something that like the perfection that we have as modern woodworkers making perfect dovetails, um, that first of all, didn't exist. You look at some of these quote masterpieces and they're like nasty, nasty dovetails. No, you, with, you like, never see them. Gaps you could drive a truck through. No, they, they work great and they continue to work a hundred years, 200 years later. But I also noticed that half blinds on a lot of like 18th century furniture, like there's a good half an inch of wood between the front and where the, the tail actually starts. Oh yeah. And I, I'm wondering now, you know, because what you're saying is because the whole thing's a parallelogram. If you go in too deep, you'll blow out the front because you're actually angled kind of mm -hmm. out towards the front of the, the case. And I think a lot of these woodworkers are like, I'm not messing with that. I'm just going to make little stubby tails. Oh, it's so much easier. Because then you can if actually undercut. If the tail's undercut. only a quarter inch wide, it doesn't matter, right? It's still a wedge. Right. Um, so, yeah. That's the that's the problem I I'm having with this. Well, not problem, but it's the thing you have to keep in the back of your mind is the fact that, you know, if you undercut that wall, you're getting even closer to the front of the drawer, which right. you're like, okay, you can see light through now or uh, something like that. Yeah. Well, and especially with that crazy grain, who knows what it's going to do, right? That's the How other is thing too, react? is if, usually like if you're doing a square, uh, like a drawer front, you can back that up with something pretty easily. This thing's on a curve. So like I, I have the uh, off cut kind of wedged in back there, but it's not perfect. <laughs> yeah. So it's not really fully supported either. So you go one mm. wrong move and you can just blast the whole front off. You're like, okay, starting nice. over, I guess. That's tricky. But it's, I mean, yeah. it's not too bad. It just take your time with it. And just keep it in just mind. It just suddenly makes doing. a lot more sense why there's big, chunky half blinds in the vintage yeah, furniture. I see. Oh, it's so so much like, I'm not messing with that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not messing with that. I, of course, what, have to make it look I like all my other pieces where like I have like an eighth inch step on the front. That's it. And by the time you get to the full depth, you're not that far away from the drawer front if you actually made that square and didn't make it angled like it's supposed to be. Mm -hmm. huh. Interesting stuff. It's so thin, it's going to absorb finish differently. You're going to have these little lines on the drawer front. Like, what is that? Oh, that's a joinery. Yeah. It's now veneer. <laughs> it's, it's the tails. Yep, it's great. Nice. nice. But I only have two more drawers to go, and I'll do that whenever I get back in the shop. <laughs> right. You'll have the process figured out by the time you finish those two drawers, and you'll never do it again. Well, I'm filming the next one, and then the last one's my just-in-case one. That's how I, I do it. screw up the penultimate one. Yeah. Well, yeah. in case I screw up the filming of it, mostly. Yeah. <laughs> See, happens. there you go, folks. There's there's your YouTube secrets right there. Build the chest of drawers and film the last drawer. And everyone's like, oh, your dovetails go together so cleanly. It's because I've already built nine <laughs> drawers, folks. Yeah. Oh, you never film the first of a thing. You always oh, you gotta no. get a few practice runs in first. You always start in the bottom drawer, the back of the bottom drawer. Yeah. Because if that's screwy, no one's ever going to see it. Yeah, but those top drawers, those are perfect. No, I started <laughs> yeah. at the top of the front drawer. That's because you're an idiot. Front of the top one, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I uh, I made a set of turned handled barbecue tools for my father-in-law for his Ooh, uh, what? Uh, well, birthday. Ooh. Well, but that was just it. As I'm looking at them, I'm going, like, they're really, like, crazy, crazy curled, like, fell yeah, back. Yeah, never mind. Maple. Too good for Mark. Good hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> I like nice things. <laughs> So I'm, like I'm shutters. looking at it and going, why I like don't I have these? Well, I've got like crappy these? barbecue tools. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You guys are absolutely impossible to have any kind of conversation. Not, it's it's not really me this it's, time. It's me. Just, you know, it's me. It's true. It's me. I'm kind of being true. quiet it's all, today. It's all the drinking Matt's been doing up until now. I'm all gazzy anyway, from, from eggs. <laughs> long story short, I'm, I'm making my own barbecue tools. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. Okay. Go on. Go on. <laughs> barbecue tools. Let's talk about it. Uh, but are they, are well, they good? My question was, well, I, I what kind of tools I, are talking? Kind of, sort of. I kind of, sort of use the spatula, even though it's a gift I'm giving to my father-in-law. I had to test it out. Right? Yeah. I had to make, make sure, sure it works. 
you know, to make sure that when you wash it, the, the finish still looks good and everything. But mm-hmm, sure. yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what species I'm going to use for my own. I could get like really crazy, but I feel like I should like use a barbecuing wood, you know, I should yeah. use a hickory or, you know, I'm not going to use cedar. That's too soft, but cause I've got these like small, it uses very small. It's, it's like, it's not a pin kit, but it, it, you know, you have to drill it and tap the hole and you put a ferrule on it. It's like turning a, a tool handle essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, but the blank is one and a half square by like seven inches long. So I've got all kinds of really highly figured or weird exotics in my kind of turning tool box that would be perfect for this. But I keep thinking I should just mm. go more utilitarian and use a good barbecue wood to keep with the theme. But I'll probably end up doing something like snake wood. I haven't figured it out yet. I'm still in that early stage. Yeah, go fancy, man. Go fancy. All the Credit barbecue, Dio. like barbecue woods are going to be boring. That's true. You know, get yeah. something that looks really cool. I think, I think that's the way to go. Hickory would be dull. What, uh, what you use for the finish? Uh, I used, um, what's that stuff called? Um, Aussie finish. oil. Yeah. Finish. Oh. It's called finish. <laughs> I use finish. <laughs> <laughs> it's a finish. I used Aussie oil and then, um, I used, a uh, 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 shellac based film coat over top of it. Gives me a nice, uh, close to the wood look, but I don't know. I thought about going CA, but I didn't really want to get that plasticky look to it. Yeah. So we'll see how it holds up heat wise. Yeah. Heat and washing and all that fun stuff. Yeah. That's cool, man. I'm excited. Was that like one of those rocker kits or a peach tree kits or something? Uh, Penn state is where I got it. That's what it was. Okay. <laughs> mm. How was yeah, that? It's easy? a spatula, spatula fork and a tong set. So there's four blanks, two for the tongs and one each for the fork and the spatula. Like Very back nice. in the day when I actually turned stuff, I'm like, Oh, I should make these. Mm-hmm. I bet you I have a kit. Yeah. Bet you I do. I have so many kits that I bought and never turned. <laughs> yeah. I've got a, I've got a whole <laughs> box filled with stuff like that. Cause I usually tend to buy like three or four at a time. Yeah. You know, thinking, Oh, well, this will make a good gift. Yeah. And I end up, I think I still have like seven travel mugs when Woodcraft <laughs> came out with those. <laughs> yep. Yep. Oh, yep. it's on sale or wherever. Okay. I'll buy a few of them because I'm going to make them for gifts. Yeah. Nope. I'm, I'm basically always on guard for the hostess gift. Like I can turn a bottle stopper in 15 minutes flat. You know, we're <laughs> walking out the door, ready to go to the, to the Christmas party. Oh, we need a hostess gift. Give me 15 minutes down there. <laughs> Rummage through a couple boxes. Here's a kit. Here's some wood. Man, you're like, you, you sound like Nicole. Done. She's got like spare gifts for kids. If there's a sudden birthday party you need to go to, <laughs> <laughs> there are just sudden like spontaneous birthday party. Yeah, there's like crappy kid gifts in the closet somewhere that <laughs> should something occur uh, that we weren't prepared what for. You, She's what like, what are I got you saying about my gifts? Why are you comparing Nicole's crappy kid gifts to my <laughs> high quality heirloom turned well, objects? Look, here's the problem. I like your handles. What I don't like Generally, these kits, I don't like the tools that come with these kits. Like as a barbecue <laughs> tool, they're not my favorite. Yeah. Uh, like I'm kind of picky about it. You know what you do with that little thing with the forks? You throw it in the garbage because it's useless. Yeah, I don't really know what I would do with that, but just, it looks nice. You just poke crap with it or keep people away from the grill with it. That's what uh, I figured. The, the tongs, tool. Yeah, the tongs, like I get it. Those are the, the ones that kind of, they don't have a hinge on them. It's just a bent piece of metal yeah. with the handles. Um, that's just too much resistance to use them. I hate tongs like that. And then you get that spatula with the stupid teeth. Like, what are you doing? You cutting down trees with this thing or are you just grilling burgers? You don't need all that schmutz on there. Anyway, <laughs> it's nice though. I'm glad your father-in-law enjoys it. So what you're saying is that there's a hole in the market for decent barbecue tool kits. Yeah. Make, you know, they're, they all are kind of the same. So make the or stuff just buy decent want. barbecue tools and hack off the handles and hack put them off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've done that with a with a pizza peel before. Like the handle was just garbage, but the peel was fine. It was metal, um, and I just replaced the handle. It looks fantastic now. Huh. Anyway, I'm picky about this stuff. What are you gonna do? I can tell you when I'm cooking hot dogs in the grill, though. Tongs are useful because trying to get hot dogs off the grill with a spatula doesn't work real well. No, I like tongs, not that style though. Maybe you just need stronger. Uh, yeah, maybe forearms. maybe you're weak. No, maybe I'm you're just, just weak. I just know where to put strength. my energy. I know where to put my energy. Like a, like an OXO set of tongs. Those are great. I don't. Know and what then that you means. can go. You can very easily go <laughs> click 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 with them. So you guys, mm. you guys, shut up. Uh, let's get to our kickback. Uh, what do we have here? We got a voicemail from Bob about tap cons. 
Hey, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Uh, this is Bob. I've got some kickback from episode 506 uh, when Mark was talking about using Tapcons on the walls of his shop. I think Shannon had a reference to a uh, bad experience with that too. I was recently putting French cleat on my poured concrete foundation. I have a basement shop. Um, and I had this exact same problem. I had to go, uh, like Mark said, an extra quarter inch deep, maybe even a half inch deeper than uh, what they recommended on the package. Uh, and then again, blowing out all the dust. Um, but yeah, I tried drill drivers manually. I was still snapping off heads. Also using uh, my hammer drill, thinking impact, why not? It wasn't until I actually used a real impact driver that I had great success getting those to lock into the wall nice and snug without over-torquing the heads. I don't know what the difference is. Um, hammering action-wise between the hammer drill uh, and the impact driver, but I uh, had a lot better luck with that. Um, so maybe somebody out there would find that useful too. Thanks for not quitting, guys. Bye. You know what's interesting is I did use an impact driver, and that's what broke the head on me. <laughs> that's what I was yeah, say. I had the same. So, <laughs> I had the same issue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because I only had one hammer drill, and that was kept the bit in there because I needed to use it again. And the other drill is a impact driver, which had the uh, the bit to turn the screw. I don't know. Your right. mileage may vary, I guess. What I want to know is if this is something that a lot of people and just surveying what I read in forums, this is something people confront. And when you have some experience, you go, oh, yeah, you have to go deeper with the hole. Um, why do they not tell people to go a little deeper with the hole in the instructions? Like if you want people to have success with your product. Because they sell more screws when you snap them off. That's yeah, true. Maybe that was a dumb question. Yeah. Hmm. Dang it. I just like, I like how Bob kept going. Um, the booms in the background was his neighbor setting off fireworks. Yeah. And the, the email he sent us, he said, I apologize for the, the, the fireworks in the background, but I just thought that was funny. So is this like a month long, like, a month old email? Was that July? I don't, I, I don't think so. I mean, it was July, but I feel like it was the end of July. Oh, okay. So apparently they're just really patriotic there and they just keep going. Just or has, they just like to blow stuff up. He's got jerks for neighbors is what you're saying. Could could be basically anywhere in America. We like yeah. to blow stuff up here. Good stuff. All right. Well, uh, this I, I don't know if I call this kickback, but I'm going to turn it in a kickback. This is from Pat. And he said that uh, Shannon discussed the African lumber infrastructure type stuff in episode 421. <laughs> so almost 100 episodes ago. I was going to say I don't remember any of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting conversation. I was hoping he could update us. I want a refresher so, first because I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, I, refresh I my actually, memory. I may not I have heard this looked episode. It up. <laughs> I, I looked it up to try to remember what I could refresh on, and I still don't know. Um, but it was it was a long time ago. This is like pre-COVID, um, and this is pre-lumber industry update. So the kickback here, Pat, is... Um, I can refresh you to the fact that there's a whole new podcast called Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. Sweet. And I've actually spoken about the African lumber trade specifically in one of the earlier episodes. So I think I updated you on it. But if there's something particular you want me to update you on, um, let me know. But I recommend going and listening to that show. That's basically just one big lumber industry update. Mm -hmm. Hence the title. That's, that's yep. literally what it is. <laughs> it's very accurate. Dude, Shannon, yeah. how, how are the guild things? How many have you done so far? All your presentations. You done? Uh, 16. <laughs> so what? not yet. Not yet. I've got uh, uh, yeah, some a few remainder. More I've got another class in August. That'll be five more. And then uh, a bunch in the end of August and right up until <laughs> uh, Labor Day, basically. <laughs> yeah. You're not I joking around, say, man. It's really been fun, interestingly enough. At first I was like, what did I do? Like, what have I done? But, you know, you, uh, every, you know, if you go places and a lot of the guilds kind of have the same character, but when you put them like side by side, like when you do, when you do Denver one night and Annapolis the next night and, you know, Cleveland the next night, you, you start to pick up the little subtle differences. And it's just kind of fun to see how each one of these has their own little community. And you can kind of pick out, oh, that's the guy that, you know, they, they have different characters in each group. You know, this is a guy that cracks all the jokes. This is the one that is really, really serious, trying to keep the meeting on task. And you see those characters in each guild and you could start to identify, oh, that's that guy right there. But I don't know. I've had a lot of fun with it. So yeah, I don't know that I'm going to book quite this many ever <laughs> yeah. again, but it's a lot, man. 
mainly because I've done them all and they won't have me back now. So yeah, we'll that's smart. No more. They know your shtick. Yeah. It's going to be like when you go to a, have you ever seen like, I don't know, maybe a YouTube video of a comedian and then you go see him live and you've already heard a lot of those jokes and then you kind of hate them after that. That's probably what would happen. Or back in the day when you actually bought the CD and now you have their show memorized better than they do. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, you didn't say that joke, right? Anyway, I actually went to a comedian. I went to Brian Regan and somebody heckled him with his own joke because he didn't say it right. (laughs) (laughs) And that was the best part of the show because Brian just went off on him. It was like, I can't believe I'm getting heckled with my own jokes. And he like turned it into like a 30 minute section of the show. And it was (laughs) side hurtingly funny. So that's great. Yeah. It's a sign of a good comedian, I suppose. Yeah, no kidding. Um, Matt, why don't you do the mid-roll? I want to hear your voice. Oh, okay. Oh. This is weird. Unexpected, right? Hang on, Rockler. This is gonna, we'll see how this <laughs> goes. Hang on. In, this, is, this is split on two pages. <laughs> Here we go. Right at the seam. All right. Rockler wants to help make working easier and more enjoyable with their innovative product line. In their no, st- never mind. I'll take it back. Okay. Enjoy. <laughs> Just kidding. Go ahead. Finish. What? <laughs> I can't take this <laughs> in their stores and at rockley.com. You'll find over 700 rockley innovations that can help you out in all aspects of woodworking from start to finish with your next project. Some customer favorites include bench cookies, silicone, glue brushes and mats, the bandy clamps, the dust, the wow, the dust, right? Dust collection system. It's a lot of dust and more. Some of the newest Innovations include the new and improved beadlock system that creates loose tenon joints at an affordable price and the new doweling jigs that create seamless dowel joints. Rockler Innovations are designed to help you create with confidence. Yeah, I can uh, I can attest to that personally because of, of the whole shutter thing. <laughs> yes. I created those shutters with confidence that it would shutter not have no otherwise more. had. That's right. You have Rockler confidence. <clears throat> Good stuff. <laughs> if you've ever been to a Rockler store... Go look around. It is loaded with all these things that you go, yep, that's a great idea. Yep, I'll take that. That's a great idea. Uh, all good stuff. If uh, you can't get to a local store, go check them out at rockler.com. They got best, everything you best need. Best thing I ever bought at Rockler was the shelf pin jig. You, you know, know, for adjustable shelves. Dude, you are Things not awesome. kidding. I bought that thing 15 years ago and yeah, just, easily. just finished up a video where, once again, I used it. Same one that I've had all this time, and that is right. one of the best jigs I've ever purchased. And the little bit that like fits right into the plastic with yeah. the spring and everything. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's a no brainer. And I had to do my, my mom's desk, uh, which was like a pre-made desk from a store. Um, and it didn't have adjustable shelves. So I had to, you know, put them in there. But like, it's, it's such a no brainer where you could orient this thing for all four positions and everything is just in a perfect spot. You don't have to think about it too much. So yeah, great jig. Good stuff. You and ain't kidding. fits inside the jig. <laughs> Yep. Like you won't lose storage unless you don't put it back into the storage. But yeah, Yeah. it's got a little cubby for it too. Like a little parking garage. Boop. Put it in there. It's great. (laughs) I should go check and see if mine's actually in there. You better. (laughs) Cause then if it's not, you can probably kiss it goodbye. Well, I'll just go to Rockler and buy the replacement one. It's a good idea. Cause they got those. Cause they they know, they know, (laughs) they know people (laughs) aren't going to put them in the cubby. (laughs) (laughs) Stupid people. All right, let's get to our questions today. Um, got one here from Jason. He says, my question concerns, what chemicals will burn it all down? What finishing products do you need to be concerned about uh, their rags and applicators spontaneously combusting? I know BLO, tongue oil, oil-based stain, oil-based poly all need to cure hard and stiff. Ha, he says. It's not funny. It's not funny to make fun of that stuff either, Jason. Uh, Before you throw them in the trash, but what about other finishes? What about solvents? Do I need to let mineral spirits rags dry before tossing in the trash? What about paste wax? How about those infamous hard wax oils? I've been letting anything that cleans up with mineral spirits, including mineral spirits itself, dry before tossing in the trash. I'm most curious if this is necessary for mineral spirits and paste wax, as I use both of them a bunch. And thinking about it, they don't actually cure, so is it necessary? Uh, He says, thanks, and go clear. All right, so uh, chemicals. Now, this this is just my understanding of this. Um, Do a little more research. Anyone else who has opinions on this, give us some some kickback on it. I have always operated under the assumption that we're talking about boiled linseed oil. We're talking about potentially tongue oil. We're talking about anything that contains those two oils in some level of a a raw form. If you go to a varnish 
again, my understanding is that that is not as much of a risk, if, if a risk at all. It just kind of cures. You don't get that heat buildup. It's typically the sl- like the slow burn um, that you get from the oxidation of a rag coated in oil that slowly builds up over time, builds up, builds up until it combusts because you've jumbled up a rag soaked in the stuff and just let it sit on top of itself. Uh, you do that with a varnish rag or something. And again, I'm not talking about like a Danish oil, which is going to contain some of that raw oil um, or boiled linseed oil. I'm talking about a polyurethane. Generally, within a couple hours, that polyurethane is going to be crunchy. It's it's not going to remain wet. The boiled linseed oil, on the other hand, that's still going to be wet after a few hours. So all that said, you can you know get down to each product and figure out which one does which. My policy at this point is to just not take a chance. Anything that's oil-based, I don't care what it is, where it came from, especially with an employee who is going to possibly be mimicking some stuff I do, what if they get it wrong? What if they go, oh, I thought this was a pure polyurethane, but instead this actually has a, it's kind of an oil and wax, or I'm sorry, an oil poly blend, um, and they don't realize that, and then now my shop burns down. It's just a better policy to say, look, anything, I like his policy, actually, anything that cleans up with mineral spirits and including the mineral spirits itself, let it dry before tossing it in a can. And overall, I think, I don't really know in terms of how these things process after they're thrown into the trash, but I do feel like something that has any kind of volatile stuff on it, if you could let that all cure and off gas before it gets thrown in the trash, just sounds like that might be a better way to go just to be safe. But just know if you do some research, you may so, you may find some things you do not have to do that for. But uh, I don't I don't think it's worth it to even worry about it. Do them all. Just make sure you're covering your butt. And that includes have, the, the new hard box oils. I have a spot in my shop because most of my shop is uh, that hard uh, rubber flooring. Yeah. But out near the garage door, I didn't extend it all the way there. And I've got a, one spot there where I always put lay out the rag on the concrete. Yeah. And it's really well finished. Like, <laughs> the concrete is like super 20 sealed. years from now, someone's going to be like, what, what happened in this one spot? There's yeah. like 9,000 <laughs> coats of seven different finishes on that one spot, but it works great. You just like put a, the rag there, dries and you throw it away later. Yeah. Like a really good cast iron pan or something. <laughs> seasoned, seasoned concrete. Very well seasoned yeah, we concrete. It's, it's well seasoned. It's completely <laughs> impermeable to water too. Yeah. There you go. All right. So this question comes from Robert. He says, my shop is firmly in the power tool camp, probably something to do with a poor experience with hand planes in eighth grade wood shop. <laughs> However, I am moving to Russia for two to three years and one, don't want to move a bunch of power tools and two, don't want to buy a bunch of 220 volt tools. So I'm looking for a list of hand tools that I could buy that would let me learn how to use hand tools in a shop with only those tools, but would also be useful as a hybrid woodworker when I turn to my home shop. Well, first thing I'll say is there's a chapter in this book called Hybrid Woodworking that yeah! talks about hand tools for the power tool user. Gross. It's probably the only <laughs> thing in that book that's worthwhile, but still, you know. He's making me money. I don't know about that yet. <laughs> the, Not yet. The, <laughs> he hasn't yet. provided a convincing <laughs> argument yet. The, the problem with just that chapter, like if you would just consult that, is they are great tools for the hybrid woodworker. If he's mm-hmm. going to go like all hand tools for the next two to three years, Buying a shoulder plane, buying a router plane. Yeah. I know router plane was on that list. Um, I think like a dovetail saw might've been on that list. I can't remember now. I, I haven't actually read the book. Me I either. just have a signed copy of it. So yeah. yeah. <laughs> but those tools would be great if you have other stuff. What he really needs is something that can take it literally from stump to finish project. Well, maybe not stump, but you get the idea. Board to finish project. So I'm actually going to recommend the same thing I would recommend to somebody who like was just starting woodworking and wanted to go the hand tool route. I say a jack plane, a, um, a, a I'm just going to say a back saw. If you want to get really specific, go with a carcass saw, but a back saw, I don't even care. Like a medium sized back saw. <laughs> I don't even care. Um, <laughs> and, and the reason I say medium size is a dovetail saw is not nearly as utilitarian as a medium size, like a carcass saw, you can cut 10 inch, you can cut dovetails, you can cross cut boards Buy a medium size back saw, a jack plane and like three chisels, maybe a one inch chisel, maybe a three eighths inch chisel and a quarter inch chisel. And you kind of go a really, really long way with just those couple of tools. Now you're going to want things like squares and such, but you probably have that already. Um, that's certainly going to be useful on a power tool shop if you don't have them already. So 
you know, maybe if you wanted to, you could buy a marking gauge, but with those tools I already mentioned, you could build a marking gauge too, and you don't have to move that to Russia. So, um, can you guys think of anything else? I mean, a plane, a saw and a couple of chisels, that's it. I mean, a router plane would be a good idea from a, from a joinery perspective, because I think that has a good spot on a power tool shop, but yeah, I don't think there's really a reason to get super crazy here. If he's yeah. going to go back to power tools, like don't buy a bunch of hand planes. Cause if you're going to go back to your power tool shop, you're not going to use them again, but you'll use the Jack plane probably. Yeah. Um, certainly a smoothing plane you'll use in a power tool shop, but well, and I, I mean, that's the challenge when, when fundamentally a lot of the things that I focused on in, in recommending hand tools for this book, were specifically jumping to tools that if you came at it from a pure hand tool perspective, you might not add those to your collection until a little bit later um, because you yeah. need to satisfy the basics first. So this, this book was written in such a way that you have the basics in your power tools. So here are the ones that I think are going to be the most useful. So that's why I think it's difficult to apply that advice across the board, but the Jack plane, great recommendation that that's on my list as well. Um, I think that that's, even if he doesn't get a smoother, there are times I smooth with my Jack plane and, and get a good enough oh, yeah. result that it's passable, you know? So yeah, probably a lot of ways. I think, go, the, though. I think the router plane has got to be on there just because it's, mm -hmm. it, it is a joinery plane. You can yeah. refine 10 in cheeks. You can do dados. You can do half laps. You can do a lot with that plane. That's, that is, really useful in a power tool shop, yeah, especially sure. if you're not real comfortable with the dado blade and your table saw. True that. <laughs> True that, yo. <laughs> so, das vidanya, Robert. Have fun in Russia. And also, you'll be happy to know that Leah Nielsen distributes to Russia. Now, I don't know since COVID how that's gone, but I do know that when I talked to Thomas Lee Nielsen long time ago, uh, prior to Woodworking America one year, he was most excited about their expansion into Russia and they had a pretty large distribution over there. So you ought to be able to find Lee Nielsen tools in, uh, in Mother Russia. Mm. Okay. You can get some of that Russian birch way over there. It's my favorite. Yeah. Nice. Except that it's actually coming from Finland. Shh. <laughs> Shh. <laughs> Don't ruin this. You want, you want good Siberian larch. <laughs> I have a Russian guy that calls me like once a week at work oh, wanting see, me to buy you're larch. You're pretty good at that. Hello. You I called today not to offer you Siberian larch. You need larch. I mean, not that I would know any better accent, but. <laughs> Seriously. I mean. It's it, probably horrible. It sounds yeah, but, convincing you know. to me. Sounds good to me. Someone who has I'd no idea. I'd watch a movie with that character. <laughs> The large sales. That's, that's like, uh, it's like the, the horrible, like, it's like the Borat of Russian. What was that guy's name? <laughs> Borat? That, that, well, no, the comedian before. In Mother Russia, cart pushes You're you. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> that guy. <laughs> Anyone else we can offend? People while out there here? know who I'm talking about. No. Yeah, get, us, get us out of this, Matt. Let's go. <laughs> I mean, any nurses or... Uh... We, we good? <laughs> oh. Anyone's degrees we need to insult today? <laughs> We're currently at that stage of the show. Uh, yeah. Okay, anyway, this is from John. Uh, John is trying to drill some holes that are one inch to one and three quarter inches wide, about three to four inches deep into the end grain of smaller logs for pencil holder gifts. The wood is usually leftover firewood from camping that's cut into four to six inch long uh, pieces. These are little gifts for my friends that I go camping with, and I save a log or two from each trip to use for these. I've tried drilling these holes with a spade bit and Forstner bit, but the spade bits are very jumpy, and they try to rip the block out of the clamps, and the Forstner bits smoke a ton and then bind up constantly. I have tried removing some wood with tris what, some wood removing some wood with twist bits, but <laughs> that seems to barely help. I have seen a trick of starting out with a Forstner and then using a pattern bit in the router, but I don't want to worry about keeping a good hold on a round or quarter round log. I'm using a cheap drill press and have tried Freud Porter cable and CMT drill bits or Forstner bits. I am usually drilling maple, which is harder to drill, obviously, but I can be limited to species uh, by what's soil at the campground. Is there a different technique I can try for drilling these things? Am I rushing the Forstner bits or using them at too high a speed? These are meant to be simple, but sentimental gifts and any help is appreciated. Yeah, there has to be an easier way. <laughs> it's like, it's, it seems so simple. <laughs> yeah, it's frustrating. So for the first thing that comes to mind is if you're, try, 
with a router, definitely would be easier, but I don't think you'd be able to get that kind of depth uh, out of a router without it being super sketchy. So I'm going to just take that one off the table. That's <laughs> yeah. something that's probably not going to be a great way to go. Um, it's possible, but I don't know if I would recommend it, if you're, especially if you're worried about holding this workpiece and that being like easily kind of getting away from you. I think uh, your forcer bits are dull. And what I think is probably yeah. happening is that you're dulling them as soon as you start drilling. Because with your drill press, you're probably running it too fast at that diameter, especially with the cheaper ones. They can't uh, drop down to a low enough speed uh, to keep that Forstner bit at the proper RPMs. Uh, I'm guessing like at that, that size Forstner bit should probably be like below 500 RPMs or so. I'm, and most of the cheaper drill presses kind of bottom out at like 800. So you're probably drilling too fast. And that is dulling them pretty easily or quickly. And then you're not really going to have a whole lot of luck after that. So if you don't want to go to a, a drill press that can drill slower, I would recommend picking up like a, um, a carbide Forstner bit. Carbide can deal with a little more heat, a little more speed, and you should be able to just sail right through that, uh, especially with a maybe a lower power drill press as well. Mm. But that's, that's my, my thing. Spend more money. That's always yeah, a good recommendation. Go. On an expensive drill bit. When, um, Pick a when whole I did a project and go that, with it. <laughs> when I did a project that had a whole lot of that sort of drilling, I found very quickly that not all Forstner bits are created equal. Yeah, that too. And I, I was turned on to Bormax bits. And it is amazing how less that one would like dull. Just something about the way it's constructed dissipated heat a little bit better. And in a, you know, in perfect situation, it actually lasted a lot longer, gave me much better results. So I don't want him, he's already tried three different brands. I'd hate to be like, yeah, go buy this one. It'll definitely work. I don't know for sure. There might be everything that Matt is saying is at play here too. Um, but I did find that Bore Max bits were on a different level than any other uh, Forstner bits that I've seen. Yeah, when you, when you think when you want to end grant, it's even harder because you're yeah. actually cutting yeah. the fibers, like every single one of them. So the Forstner bits are made to like, uh, like kind of wedge themselves in and they're, they're, they're cutting across the grain. Mm -hmm. So just like if you're doing like um, a rough planting on a board with a scrub plane, you go across the grain first because it's easier. That's what the forester bits usually trying to do. So it's just scooping grain out, which is yeah. super easy. The little burrs on the outside sever the fibers a little bit and then the big wings scoop the, all the grain out of there. They don't need to be very sharp to do that. Going into end grain, you're actually cutting the fibers the whole way down. So those scooper areas actually have to be sharp. And what I found with Forcer bits is the ones you buy out of the box, they're not sharp. Like they're sharp enough to do into the face grain, but no, now we're nowhere near sharp enough to do end grain. So if I ever try and do that with any of the ones I already have, I have to sharpen them. Otherwise, it's not really worth it even trying yeah. at that point. And Good they're pretty point. easy to sharpen too, because it's just it's just a chisel edge. It doesn't need to be perfect. Grab a file, bring that, bring those two faces into a nice crisp point like you would with a chisel. And there you go. Okay. You Good could stuff. look up uh, a Gedge auger bit, G-E-D-G-E. -E. Um, I mean, traditionally these were like hand augers, but there are modern manufacturers of Gedge augers where the, the spurs don't angle down because they're meant for cutting it in grain. So the, the, the spurs on a normal auger bit or the, the wings on a Forstner bit or, you know, the wings even on a Brad point bit are severing that cross grain fiber and allowing the lips to, to dig out the stuff in between. Since you're dealing in the in grain, you're not really severing those fibers. Like Matt said, you're scooping it. So the wings actually curve and they act like a gouge. So they're actually gouging. Um, like if you're going in with a carving gouge and cutting it out, or another solution would be chuck that little log in a lathe. If you have one and hollow it out, which mm. is the same gouging process that you're using, but you might look up Gedge augers. I know that there are modern manufacturers of Gedge bits that might help you there. Nice. All right. Well, that just about does it for us today. Remember that we are proudly sponsored by Rockler family owned since 1954. Rockler is your go-to source for high quality and innovative woodworking tools, finishing supplies, hardware, lumber, and expert advice. Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, whose dog is that? That's mine. He's, he's <laughs> having a good time back there. Bring back the show. Desperately looking for the mute button here, but uh, by the time I found <laughs> no, it, man. it doesn't matter anymore. Oh, it's all real. It's all good. 
Whether you're building a simple bookshelf, a custom desk, or new kitchen cabinets, Rockler has everything you need to make your next project a success. Visit rockler.com or a store near you. Use the code WOODTALK. It's all one word, and you could receive free shipping on most orders over $39. And remember to head over to rockler.com slash woodtalk to enter for that wheel. I put the wrong thing here, but it's that wheel around thingy. Uh, where is it? <laughs> Pack rack. Pack, Pack rack. rack plus clamp and tool storage system. So you have a chance to win that sucker for free. So get on over there. Have we heard from anybody who's won? They put it <laughs> on never that find page. Out. <laughs> oh, do they? Yeah, okay. they publish it. All right. So I got to go to that page then. I never go to that page. I link to it. Every you have no chance week. of winning, so why would you? That's true. <laughs> I'm going to quit just so I can win. Yeah, we've already won because they're sponsors. That's true. We've already quit too several times. So, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. We've done all that, <laughs> folks. We appreciate you listening to the show. We appreciate your questions. So please send us more questions. You can go to woodtalkshow.com and fill out a fancy form there, or you can email us at woodtalkshow at gmail.com. Or you can hit up Margaret on Instagram at Wood Talk Show. Since I bring that up, thank you, Margaret. You're doing good work. You're doing you're doing good stuff on she's awesome. Facebook and Instagram. She's got some like she's like highlighting your projects. Great mm-hmm. stuff. Stuff that we should have been doing for years, but we're too lazy to do. So thank you, Margaret. Hundred <laughs> percent. And speaking of things we're too lazy to do, I do want to say thanks to Nick Key of Key Woodworks who edits this show and makes us sound pretty. Yep two people who uh, we couldn't do the show without them at this point. Very, very helpful. So thank you guys. <laughs> or, or wouldn't do the show. <laughs> wouldn't. Wouldn't is definitely the operative. We could do it. We just wouldn't. Don't want to. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for listening, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Goodbye. Bye, Kenny. Goodbye. Bye-bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.